Do you know what nudicles are? It was basically a tobacco enema. So that's where the expression bar she blows comes from? Do you know how many sides are on the die floating around in the Magic 8-Ball? It reminds me of another one. Got them by the short hairs. Believe it or not, skin of the teeth comes from the Bible, Kurt. So let me tell you where pulling your one's leg comes from. Well, people, listeners, drivelers, those of you in the audience that maybe just found us by mistake, <laughs> we're back. John Ellenthal, are we back? Kurt Schneider, yes, we are back. After a very short break, we are back as promised with a brand new episode of Smart Dribble the first Monday of September. I am very happy to be back. Yes, I missed doing this, John. It's good to get back and get creative again. Before we get into today's topic, there's something I want to share with you that I think will make you very happy. Please. And I can thank my wife, Suzanne, for sending me this tweet earlier this afternoon. So for listeners of the podcast, there are two things that you can't help but know about Kurt, largely because he mentions them with alarming frequency. One is his love for gin martinis. Ooh, the I other, love gin martinis. The other is his distaste, dislike of the Eagles. I hate the Eagles. So a gentleman by the name of Dennis Herring tweeted earlier today or recently, I'm on my way to Winslow, Arizona. I've set the time machine to 1971. So I figure if I stand on a corner in Winslow, Arizona, I might be able to stop the forming of the Eagles and thus save rock. Wish oh, me luck. And I hope he's not taking a flatbed Ford. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. That, of course, the lyric about standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona is from Take It Easy. And is that one of your most disliked Eagle songs or are they all uh, tied for first place in most disliked? No, Hotel California, by far, number one, most disliked, by far. So, Kurt, what are we going to talk about today? I know, but our listeners don't. Why don't you tell us? Well, here's an interesting segue, because I heard something today that you're going to find quite interesting. I found it hysterical. Do you know, and this is a transition to what we're going to talk about, do you know what nudicles are? Nudicles. It does sound familiar. Nudicles. They sound like cuticles, but it can't relate to cuticles no. unless it's the cuticles of a newborn or what your cuticles are like on a boat when you're being nautical. Very nice try. Nudicles, the coals come from something else, which it was developed in England. These are prosthetic testicles for dogs after they've been neutered so they can feel whole when they're in the dog park. Nudicles. Nudicles. I thought it was some sort of popsicle, but I would not want to mash up the popsicles and what you said. Silicon implants for male neutered dogs so they can feel whole. So we're going to talk today about expressions, because everyone knows we love expressions, expressions that derive from or whence they came from the body. And funny thing. So this is things like we all know expressions like eagle eye or nerves of steel or chewing your ear off. All these are self-evident. We know where they came from. Chew your ear off. You're Tip talking of your tongue. Tip of your tongue, right? We know where that, oh, it's right there. I get that. Self-evident. 
eagle eye. Oh, they can see pretty well like an eagle. Let's not talk about those, John. Let's talk about ones that have a cool, non-self-evident etymology. So you're going to start and give us one, and we're going to talk about it. I'm going to come out hot here, literally and figuratively, with my favorite body idiom of the last 15, 20 minutes. And that is, has anyone ever tried to blow smoke up your ass, Kurt? For sure. Yes. Where does this come from? Have you ever tried to blow smoke up your own ass, Kurt? No, but I've tried to blow smoke up many other people's asses many times. Well, this one's going to surprise you because it actually is literal. So even though we were going to go discuss the ones that are not self-evident, this is not self-evident because no one would have thought it was literal. But it is literal, and that makes it not self-evident. But it was standard medical practice in the 1700s to blow smoke up someone's ass. If someone had died, particularly by drowning, they would try to revive the individual by taking a tube, (laughs) putting it up the individual's ass, (laughs) having some sort of fumigator, and a bellows like the kind you use in a fireplace, and they would blow smoke up the patient's ass. And the belief was that the nicotine in the tobacco would stimulate the heart and the smoke and the warmth would dry out the body. In fact, it was so common that most of the major waterways had the instruments necessary to blow smoke up someone's ass in the event of a drowning or near drowning. It was like the defibrillator, which apparently I have a hard time saying. It was like the defibrillator. I can't say it either, by the way. Defibrillator of the day. So if you were a boat person on the Thames, you knew where the smoke blowing. It was basically a tobacco enema. So that's where the expression, var she blows, comes from? Ah, very good. So if you've ever tried to blow smoke up a whale's ass, it's a very different experience. Is this only for drowning victims? Well, you know what? It was used to, it was basically a resuscitation method. It was tried on patients for a variety of death and near-death experiences. But most of what is talked about is drowning related. It started because someone did this for their wife and she was revived and everyone thought, hey, that works. Okay. <laughs> so the next time you try to blow smoke up someone's ass, leave the bellows at home, Kurt. Okay. So so one of the reasons that we are doing this topic is I was talking to my son the other day and I said, yeah, you know, that guy can drink like he has a wooden leg. And he said, what? I said, you know, that expression. He said, yeah, where does it come from? Where does it come from? Drink like you have a wooden leg. And it's something it means, of course, to be able to drink an awful lot. Right. Because all the alcohol goes into the hollow leg and that's why the person can drink so much? Well, not hollow, wooden. So there is another expression, Uh, drink like a hollow leg. Uh, So yes. And that's what I conflate drinking leg idioms. You did. And you went with the self-evident one, which is hollow leg. Remember, we said we're not doing self-evident. So... (laughs) The drink like a wooden leg comes from the time when seafaring was what we did in this world. And pirates and sailors were out there on the brine. And these guys would drink rum like crazy and everything else. I'd like to introduce. Exactly. September 19th, National Talk Like a Pirate Day. It's coming up. So 
obviously these people, when they're trying to fish and stuff with chains and everything else would lose legs and they would have prosthetics. The prosthetics back then were wooden. So there are two stories for this. One is drinking like a wooden leg because there was apparently one seafaring gentleman, whether he was a sailor or pirate or both, and he had a wooden leg and apparently he was legendary, could out drink anyone ever. So it became, you could drink like you have a wooden leg, which was this guy. The other thing is, and you weren't that far off before, these wooden prosthetics were made out of wood back then. And if you had a wooden leg, some people who were carving these prosthetics would put like a secret compartment in it. And it was a compartment in your leg. Some people would hide guns in there, but it was hollowed out. So they thought that maybe the drinking would go into that secret compartment. So what I heard you say a moment ago is the wooden prosthetics were made out of wood back then. So to recap, (laughs) yes, they made wood things out of wood back then. When was that? Sometimes I made wooden prosthetics out of rubber, but that's a whole different thing. Pirate who drank so much, did he ever rub people's nose in it that he could drink so much? Uh, He probably did over and over again. Why? Because I think rub someone's nose in it is an idiom related to the body. Yeah, nose. The nose being the aforementioned and promised body part. Do you want to tell our listeners what rub your nose in it comes from? I would like you to. So... Unfortunately, in the early 1900s, there was a really unfortunate and I imagine largely ineffective process for training a dog to become housebroken. If the dog were to defecate in the house, the owner was to rub the dog's face in it to discourage the dog from doing that in the house. So it was a means for house training dogs. Why are you saying 19th century? That was full in the 20th century. In 1970s, my dog Dudley, that's how my dad house broke him. We rubbed his nose in his urine. If he peed on the rug, you rubbed his nose in it and to teach him not to do it. So did I say 19th century? I I thought I said 1900s, but if I did, I meant 1900s. Oh, okay. So also known as last century, which we're old, but that was part of us. We were part of that. I think anyone that's older than 21 would be part of that. Just before we leave that topic, since your dad trained your dog that way, it does lead to a question. How did your parents house train you? Same way. (laughs) Same way. (laughs) Yes. Listen, if I had three-inch burnt orange shag carpeting too, I would be protective of people using it as a toilet. Ours was red, but yes. By the way, what is up with cloth diapers? Who ever thought that was a good idea? Are they back? No. Well, you know what's sad, though, about not having cloth diapers anymore? No clothespins. We lose the diaper pin. Oh, I meant like a safety pin, a diaper pin? A really big safety pin, like four inches or five inches. And those things you could use for anything afterwards. But now you can't get them because we don't have them around the house. So back in the 80s and 90s, there was a business. It was a store somewhere in downtown New York City. And it was also a catalog called Think Big. Yeah, Did you ever oh, yeah. go to Think Big? I had a t-shirt, Think Big, of course. That, But from the store? Yeah. They sold basically giant versions of regular products. Like you could have like a six foot long Ticonderoga pencil or a Bayer aspirin larger than your head. And it was fun. They had really fun stuff. Maybe they had diaper pins. 
by the way, it fit the 80s, right? Excessive consumption. That's when it started and that's where it was born. So it, it was it was of the era, for the era, in the era. Is that why there were shoulder pads and clothes back then? It was just part of excess? Yes. Big, big, big. Bigger is better. Greed is good. So I was just going to stick to this, this body part theme. And I was going to tell you, we were talking about wood. And I have another expression. A very popular material for wooden products. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have another one for you. Please. You know the expression when you're talking to someone, oh, man, that guy was just or that person was just upset about everything. They had a chip on their shoulder. Yes. Chip on your shoulder comes from 19th century, not 1900s, America. America, when it became the thing, if you're going to get in a fight, you put a piece of wood on your shoulder and you dare the guy to knock it off. And you had a chip of wood on your shoulder. Who was the actor who did that commercial with the batteries? We got this wrong and we had to apologize because we said, the guy was a, I believe it was Robert Conrad and we said it was someone else. You sure it wasn't Robert Blake? This is where we got into last time. <laughs> we screwed up last time. Anyway, apparently, if you're a hooligan or anyone in the 19th century, you kept a piece of a chip of wood in your pocket. How convenient. So when you... When you saw your enemy or someone you were pissed off with, you put it on and dared them to knock it off. Well, now I, I know where they, the commercial comes from. I think they the, did it. The actor, Robert. Yeah, they did it probably in, uh, what was that terrible remake of Back to the Future Part 2 or 3? Whenever they go to the Wild West, I'm sure they did it then. Anyway, so John, give me another body part because that's the whole point of this podcast is funny expressions attached to the body. Shit for brains. Did you call it was Robert Conrad? Shit for brains. So you're calling me shit for brains because you think I have shit for brains or you think that's an idiom that relates to the body that you'd like to tell us more about? I'm hoping for the latter, but I can't dismiss the former. I don't think you're shit for brains, which means you're extremely stupid, but it is an idiom. Shit for brains. No idea where it's from. I think it probably is what you think. You know what that makes me think of is, um, which unfortunately, this has been a topic in my life the last couple of weeks being batshit crazy. Mm. My wife and one of my sons who was home visiting when we had a bat flying around our house one night, I learned a lot about bats recently and they are just hideous, scary looking creatures. But they're but good. They're good. They eat a lot of insects. Yeah. In fact, if you see a bat dropping, which unfortunately I did see in part of my house, because I mentioned we had a bat flying around our house, basically their droppings just immediately disintegrate into powder. And the powder is basically made up of endless numbers of insect exoskeletons. Why is it called a baseball bat? You think it has anything to do with the creature flying around? I do not. But uh, so this actually leads to two expressions that relate to the body, Kurt, because being batshit crazy is, again, because bats sort of fly around and crazy. But when you have been exposed to a bat, especially if you've been asleep in your house, apparently bat bites are imperceptible. So if you've been asleep in a house with a bat, you are told to go get rabies shots because rabies is fatal. In fact, fewer than 20 people in documented medical history have ever survived rabies. It's basically fatal. But that reminds me of the expression foaming at the mouth. Yes. Someone or something is really angry. And that actually does come from dogs. Yes. And other animals that unfortunately have rabies, they're foaming at the mouth and they look very angry when they have foam. 
in their mouth. So two bat-related, body-related expressions. I still want to know where baseball bat came from. I bet you it comes from the French baton, which is probably a wooden club or something like that. And then the British probably took that because they took a lot. Most of the English language comes from the French. And the British probably took baton for cricket and turned it to a cricket bat, cricket baton. And then we took baseball from cricket. So we, of course, used the main implement to hit and called it bat. That's where it came from. I bet you we got it. Boom. Yes. I think we should accept that as the right answer and lock it in and move on. Do you think I'm pulling your leg, John? Are you yanking my chain, Kurt? No, because chain has nothing to do with the body part, but pulling your leg does. Let's say I had a big gold chain on and you were pulling on it. That doesn't relate to the body. I, I would feel that around my Con- neck if you pulled my chain. Yeah, but it's not it's not direct. You know me. I like to have direct lines from things, right? Yes, like, you are about the most linear, literal person I've never met. I think at one point I said the magic eight ball had a direct line to the Apple Watch. Um, I think it was the mood ring you argued for. Oh, the mood ring. That's what it was. I think the Magic 8-Ball is even better direct descendant of the Apple Watch. Speaking of the Magic 8-Ball, I read something about the Magic 8-Ball recently, and I was surprised to learn how many answers are possible from the Magic 8-Ball. So there's obviously a die in there floating around inside the Magic 8-Ball. You shake it after you ask it some sort of incredibly important question. Yeah. And you get, you know, a good answer, a bad answer, a vague answer. Do you know how many sides are on the die floating around in the magic eight ball? My guess is it's either six or eight, but probably eight. I was shocked. And I, based on your answer, you will too, you too will be surprised. It's 20. That is a 20 sided die. There are 10 positive answers, five negative and five vague responses. I don't think so. Like concentrate and ask again is one of the vague answers. All right. So let me tell you where pulling your one's leg comes from. So now we use it as a joke. I'm just pulling your leg. Right. It's right? not a big whoop. Well, apparently down at the wharfs in England, in London, right where you got smoke blown up your ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For those who, I, I'm sorry that everyone couldn't see Kurt's technique there where he wrapped his mouth with his oh. fingers. And I now know how Kurt might literally try to blow smoke up someone's ass. Did I tell you I was a trombone player when I grew up? It totally shows. So you're walking along the quayside or quayside in London and robbers, which they were plenty then, would go in pairs. One would trip or pull the suspecting person's leg making them fall while the other would then steal money from them. So how did it turn into, I'm just kidding. Exactly. Because guess what? I'll tell you why. Because if you fell down and you had no money, they would say, I'm sorry, we're just pulling your leg. Um, And again, I'm going to go with that as the answer in the absence of an alternative. I don't mean to jump down your throat here, Kurt. Ah, That's an expression. Jump down your throat. This one has a really cool backstory. I love it. Tell me. I'm already excited. This one goes back to Hercules. So Hercules needed to slay a sea monster. So he basically waited until the sea monster opened its mouth and it jumped down its throat and cut up all of the intestines and innards 
to shreds using his sword. So he literally jumped down the sea monster's throat to kill it. So jump down your throat. I love that. By the way, Hercules, what do you have? Seven tasks and why? Why was this poor guy having to do all that? Seven tasks, seven deadly sins, seven wonders of the world, seven Seven. traps. It's an important number. Seven brides for seven brothers. Seven hills of Rome. Seven Seven up. up. (laughs) Uh, uh, Ooh. Seven and seven. Are we out of sevens? Talking about Greek mythology. Hercules. There's another expression that we talk about all the time. There's two of them that are very similar because they're the same, just in different ways. Do they relate to the body? Yes. Bully. Excellent. One one is, man, I got off on the wrong foot there. I'm sorry. Ah. Or let's put our best foot forward. Both of them come back to, remember the Da Vinci Code, by the way? I do. That was really good. I love that stuff. And they talked about sinister and and all these other words, sinestre and all this getting back to the end. The the gauche, it comes back to the same thing, meaning lefties were considered to be abnormal, rotten, scary, mystical, and in the wrong way, mystical. So that's why, you know, to be gauche, which means left in France. So get off on the wrong foot was if you put your left foot forward. It was the wrong foot because lefties were considered evil in ancient Greece. Is that still the case? Because my wife is left-handed, I'd like to know. It is still the case. Oh, oh, oh. Well, I feel like I escaped my wife's wrath by the skin of my teeth. Okay, that's a body part. And that's an idiom. And I see your transition there. That was my attempt at a transition, so... Believe it or not, skin of the teeth comes from the Bible, Kurt. And I'm sure you are well read in the Bible. Old or new? Uh, Job. So old, way old Testament. Job 1920. What does it mean in the Bible? Is that like verse 19 something 20? It's, it's where it is in the Old Testament. I know, but what are the two numbers represented? Why are they separated by a colon? Because it is the parable 19, paragraph 20. So in that spot in the Bible, yeah, we're going to need to go to Bible study class, Kurt, because I think we both just embarrass the crap out of ourselves, in part because we have shit for brains and our parents rubbed our noses in it. <laughs> and it would help if someone blew smoke up our ass because we <laughs> feel better about ourselves. <laughs> so Job says, quote, I am escaped with the skin of my teeth. The literal translation of the original Hebrew is skin of the teeth. And since teeth have no skin, the expression refers to the smallest possible measure. Which, you know what, makes sense, right? I got by the skin of my teeth. If there's no skin on your teeth, you just got by. It reminds me of another one. Got them by the short hairs. I think I know what that means, Kurt. Everyone thinks it's what that means. Please tell me I'm wrong. Please tell me I'm wrong. wrong. You're wrong. I was hoping you'd tell me. In fact, I asked you. Everyone thinks it's, you know, the short curly ones. And it's not. It's the back of your neck, the short hairs on the back of your neck. If you got someone by there, you got them by the short hairs. Boy, I feel better about that expression. Yes. So now you can use it. Now I'm going to because people will think I'm saying I'm saying one thing and I'll be like, what is wrong with you that you would think that I would refer to that part of the body in this discussion? It refers to the short hairs on the back of your neck. And I can look all incredulous and all that kind of stuff. And which leads us to end this episode because we need to wrap it up with your mind in the gutter. 
Okay, before we wrap, I have one last really good one. Kurt, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours, which of course means you help me out, I will help you out. Believe it or not, that goes back all the way to the 1600s. The British Navy, if you were a member of the crew and you did something wrong, the punishment back then was to get tied to the mast and lashed. But the crew members made a deal among themselves that the lasher would deliver really light lashes, effectively just scratching the offender's back. And they made that deal because if the situation were ever reversed, the lasher could expect the exact same light treatment. So you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. Pretty cool, huh? I love it. All right, let's get out of this episode now before we get egg on our face, Kurt. It is great to be back. Excellent. Thank you for everybody. Thank you, everybody. I, think I caught listening. you red-handed in that, in that transition there, John. You caught me red-handed, which is what happens after you help yourself to a five-finger discount, Kurt. Or you murder someone, that's for sure. So we're happy to be back. We hope that you listen to all your friends. We also promise the dribble, hope for the smart, and can't wait to see you or have you hear us next week. Ciao. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Smart Drivel. Until then, we hope your week is filled with Smart Drivel. Please check us out on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else at Smart Drivel. We'd love to hear from you. Goodbye, everybody. Ciao.